How many gay historical figures do you know? Probably not that many. Most of them live their lives in secrecy, and history books tend to ignore any rainbow flags that someone might present. But they existed. They were people just like us, writers and innovators and artists and leaders, and they don't deserve to hide any longer. We're your hosts, Mary Rogers and Eileen Yamamoto, and join us as we uncover the ghosts in the closet. Historians say they were very close friends. Gal pals, colleagues, best friends, independent, companions, rebellious, roommates. Um, weren't they just queer? You're listening to Ghosts in the Closet with Mary Rogers and Eileen Yamamoto. Hello, everyone. I'm Mary. And I'm Eileen. And welcome back to Ghosts in the Closet. After a summer-long hiatus, we are back for our third season, and we absolutely cannot wait to learn more about queer history with you. This episode actually marks the one-year anniversary of Ghosts in the Closet, and we want to take a second to say thank you. We never would have thought that this podcast, which was born out of us literally talking about nothing, would turn into this real thing that we're so, so proud of. At the end of last year, we were even lucky enough to receive a Tara Award from our university for Best Spirit Live Show, which was validating and wonderful and feels like a real privilege to be able to learn and talk about queer people and queer experiences, and we're just glad we get to do that. Mm -hmm. So thank you to all of our listeners, and from the bottom of our hearts, we hope we can keep talking about queer history together. Anyway, I think we've talked enough about ourselves, so let's get into the good stuff. Today, we're taking it back to the early 1900s, to the beginning of blues music. We're talking flashy performances, unforgettable personalities, and a talent big enough to change an entire musical landscape. And at the center of it all, the profoundly influential and incredibly talented mother of the blues, Gertrude Pridgett, more commonly known as Ma Rainey. But before that, in true Ghosts in the Closet fashion, let's get into some recent queer news. Kate Blanchett is receiving rave reviews for her role as a power-hungry lesbian orchestra conductor in Tar, which premiered at the Venice Film Festival early last month. Somewhere in here, there's a joke about lesbian roles and the movie Carol, but I was too busy foaming at the mouth at the sight of Kate Blanchett as a power-hungry lesbian orchestra conductor. <laughs> After weeks of threats from far-right groups and an official legal complaint, organizers of a pride festival in Jackson, Tennessee have been forced to relocate the festival from a public park to an indoor venue. Unfortunately, this action is counterproductive since the gay disease actually spreads faster in enclosed spaces. <laughs> I like that one. That was good, that was good. Thank well you, done. I appreciate you're, that. you're a funny girl. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I wanted to hear. Attention everyone, this is not a drill. <laughs> the newest Scooby-Doo installment, Trick or Treat Scooby-Doo, officially confirmed we've all known for ages. Velma is a lesbian. While creators might have struggled with the impossible task of making Velma even gayer than she already was, giving her a female love interest seemed to do the trick. Congrats on coming out, Velma. God, I'm so glad that we're talking about- I can't believe we haven't talked about this yet. You don't understand how loudly I screamed when I saw this news. Like, Scooby-Doo is such a big part of my childhood, and I remember there was this show, like, this new show that came out in, like, the early 2010s, and Velma and Shaggy had, like, a fling going on. It made me deeply uncomfortable, and I didn't know why yet. And you- it's because you knew. <laughs> Little baby gave me was like, something's not Something's right. so wrong. So, best She's news She's, like, ever. such a big deal, but also in my heart of hearts, I'm like, I know, I know, like, I knew this. Yeah, it's like, like when JoJo Siwa so... came out, everybody was like, I, <laughs> like, I know, she's I know, so gay. Velma's gay. Yes. And we love her for it. We rejoice. Congratulations. Um, 
Congratulations to us. This is a yeah. Win congratulations for to Mary and Kylie. <laughs> this is my day. <laughs> no one can ruin this for us. Nope. Since it's our season premiere and the one-year anniversary of our show, we wanted to cover someone extra special, and I think today's subject is exactly what we're looking for. From her influential career in recording and business to her role as an artist in shaping the sound of a generation, Ma Rainey's cultural legacy is remarkable, and her open queerness played a role in that. So let's get into it. Gertrude Pridgett, soon to be known as Ma Rainey, was born on April 26, 1886 in Columbus, Georgia. According to a later census, however, she was born in September 1882 in Alabama. So right from the beginning, we've got a little bit of intrigue, a little bit of clashing sources mm -hmm. here. Not that that is super important or anything, I just thought it was an interesting tidbit. Ma Rainey's parents were both minstrel performers, so she grew up surrounded by music and dance. She especially showed promise in singing, and her first public performance was in a local talent show when she was around 14 after which she began to pursue a professional career in music. So she was good. Um, so she took her career on the road, traveling with various vaudeville troops and performing at tent shows and carnivals and that kind of thing. Ma Rainey was first exposed to blues music around 1902 while she was on the road in Missouri, and she pretty much immediately fell in love with it and began to incorporate it into her performances. She became one of the first people to blend the blues and vaudeville styles, beginning her journey as a pioneer of blues music. In 1904, Ma Rainey married singer and performer William Pa Rainey and adopted the stage name Ma Rainey as a play on his name. They began touring as a duo with various troops, most notably the Rabbit's Foot Company, and then later as a double act under the name Rainey and Rainey, Assassinators of the Blues. Isn't that wow. so good? Like, come on, that's Assassinators so Assassinators of the Blues? Like, that's Are hard, you bro. <laughs> no modern duo names. No, like, no. Like what, Daft Punk? Sorry. Like, okay, Assassinators of funny examples. <laughs> I guess trying to think of musical duos. Like, Assassinators of the Blues, and also, like, the Ma and Pa Rainey. Like, right? they, like, they knew how cool. to create an image for themselves. Yes. So, yes. business masterfully. Businessmen and women. Like, um, if I was going out to see some live music and the, the headline was, like, Assassinators of the Blues playing, I'd be like, okay, let me go in right now. Like, I don't care. Yeah, you the have to see, are they gonna assassinate the blues? Like, I guess we have to find out. I know, out. and they were iconic. Yeah, so their performances melded a ton of style of music and weren't just limited to singing. They also performed comedy routines and skits. Oh my God. I love that. Like what? I, I love a versatile queen. I know. Uh, Very interesting. It was during this time that Ma Rainey met Bessie Smith, a talented young singer whom she mentored on blues singing, vocal styling, and overall performance. Bessie Smith would eventually go on to become a legendary blues singer, and the nature of her close relationships with Ma Rainey is certainly a point of interest to us. But more on that later. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Come on. We did not rehearse that. Anyway. That was, yeah, that was completely natural. <laughs> so Ma and Pa Rainey split up in 1916, and Ma Rainey went solo and started her own touring company, Madam Gertrude Ma Rainey and the Georgia Smart Sets. Another singer. I know. It's What's with perfect. these, like, long, drawn-out names, like, from this era? I, I kind of like it. Like, no, I feel like I like now it too. We've got, like, Rihanna, Adele, like... <laughs> Don't be coming after Rihanna and Adele You're like right. that. Those were actually bad Not on this podcast. Love both of those. <laughs> I was about to say bitches. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Good name so far. Yeah, it's honestly incredible. Yes. We need more of that these days. Agreed, agreed. So this show included a chorus line, more skits, and of course, Ma Rainey's own musical performances, which brought her fame and of course her title as Mother of the Blues. I feel like... 
Being called the mother of something is not an easy no, title like, to obtain. On. Like that's I love that she has that title because in that one thing you just know exactly about her influence yeah. and everything. Like I immediately have like incredible. respect for her. Like I want her to take care of me. Like <laughs> <laughs> you just have mommy issues. What? I'm just kidding, Gail. You did a great job. So Ma was known for her dramatic performances and electrifying stage presence. Her image was one of flashy clothing, jewelry, and gold teeth, and she was always quick to establish an intimate personal connection with audiences. I love that. Right. When I go to a performance, like I want I want to feel like the performer knows me. Like it just feels so much more special. Yeah, exactly. And I think I don't know, maybe that also contributes to like the mother of the blues thing. Like she mm, was yeah. able to kind of bridge any connection between performers and audiences, and she was singing to to people who who truly understood what she was saying about. So her deep, expressive voice and, quote, moaning style of singing captivated audiences everywhere. And as one of the earliest and most prominent blues performers, her style was influential in shaping the blues sound itself. As a performer, her charisma was unmatched. Wow, she just sounds so cool, come on. So after nearly two decades of performing on the tour circuit and cementing herself as an extraordinary performer, Ma Rainey signed with Paramount Records in 1923, only three years after the first black woman was ever recorded. So another, wow. like, you can see how much of a trailblazer she was. Like, this really was the beginning. Come on, 1920 was the first, sorry, that's yeah, just so isn't that insane? crazy, wow. In the next five years, she went on to record almost 100 records with a number wow. of famous musicians, right? Just five years, wow. <laughs> uh, and many of her recordings are today's blues standards. She was a huge influence on later blues and jazz artists, most notably a young Louis Armstrong. I know. Who was greatly influenced by her and paid stylistic homages to her in much of his later work. Wow. Janis Joplin also cited Ma Rainey as one of her greatest influences. Isn't that insane? Cool. Like, Louis Armstrong, too, is like such a... You don't have to know anything about jazz or music to know who Louis Armstrong is. And it's like, he was so influenced by her. Janis so Joplin, jazz too. Yeah, I, I feel like I repeat myself every single episode when I say <laughs> this. I've never heard of Ma Rainey. Maybe that's, like, I, I'm sure a lot more people know about her than some of the other people we've covered. But, like, she's not as recognizable of a name to me, yet she influenced these two massive names. Massive names, which is just incredible. So, overall, her huge voice and bold songwriting produced countless hits. And the connection she made with her audiences was unmatched. She knew them, and she was a friend to them. She was able to reach into the audience and just pull them in easily. Her arranger and manager, Thomas A. Dorsey, said that, quote, she possessed listeners. They swayed, they rocked, they moaned and groaned, and they felt the blues with her. I love that. I know, she must have been absolutely captivating. Yeah. She's, I feel like she's like a famous people magnet. Like all the people yeah. who are like soon to be famous or like about to become legends, they all started off with Ma Rainey. This is so true. But I mean, she was just able to really, I just imagined her in like a smoky room and everyone is just like so into it, just captivated by her. Think about just the wording moaned and groaned. Like I think about how I get vocal when, you know, like you have like a bite of like some really, really good food. <laughs> oh, yeah. It doesn't happen often. When it does, it's like, you can't help it. Like you just mean it. It's like, like Losing yourself, yeah. 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 Uh, so unlike a lot of blues artists at the time, Ma Rainey wrote a lot of her own songs, which were hugely popular and covered a range of topics. She sang about love and sexuality, about hard work and betrayal, and above all, she told stories about the black female experience in the rural South. There was a certain honesty and authenticity in her lyrics that made her songs so revolutionary, and she wasn't afraid to sing about the realities of life with no sugarcoating. She wrote a lot about womanhood and independence. In many of her songs, women face hardships, but 
don't rely on men or societal rules to rescue them. In this way, her work reflected the realities of being a black woman in America at the time. Angela Davis wrote that the women in Ma Rainey's music, quote, explicitly celebrate their right to conduct themselves as expansively and even as undesirably as men. Author Daphne Harrison also described Rainey's voice as a, quote, reaffirmation of black life. I absolutely love this Angela Davis quote about um, conducting women conducting themselves expansively and uh, as undesirably as men mm -hmm. because like the portrayal of women was if anything like innocent or pure either that or like in a sexualized manner like right. in, in order to get ahead you had to be just something that that men wanted to have sex with so yeah. as a woman especially as a black woman you'd imagine that you'd need to appeal to one of those like women like things that people look for right. a woman either like the soft and gentleness but she was just telling real stories yeah like because women act undesirable and women act like that and that's because that's how real people and real humans and real women have to go through life especially again as a black woman when you're not getting anything handed to you because you're one of the most underserved groups in america at the time yeah. And so it's just nice that she was able to like talk about the real and clearly it would translate it and clearly people They cause... felt it, they audibly felt it, they moaned. <laughs> they moaned they and groaned because and it groaned. was true. Like in one of her songs it's like a woman gets cheated on and it's not like a sad ballad or something. It, the song shifts to like her plan for revenge. I want you dead. Nice as any mama could do. You know, and it's like, in that sense, that's so empowering that you don't have to be that image and you don't have to uh, appeal to like the, the white Anglo-Saxon view of women that was probably so popular among white populations totally, at totally. the time. Yeah. One of Ma Rainey's songs, Prove It On Me Blues, is of special interest to us here at Ghosts in the Closet. So we'll start with an excerpt from the song. When I was last night with a crowd of my friends, been up in women. Quote, went out last night with a crowd of my friends. They must have been women, cause I don't like no men. It's true I wear a collar and tie, makes the wind blow all the while. Wow. <laughs> um, wow. Lots of layers here. <laughs> she didn't like beat around the bush. She said, I don't like no men. <laughs> I don't like no men. And like, the wearing girl. a collar and tire is like yeah. purposefully kind of like masculinizing. Is, I don't know if that's a word. Making, masculinizing herself, which also adds to the like, um, yeah, the whole, the, there's not much subtext here. Like think about the position this woman is in. Just like being so open about masculinity is just insane. Yeah, me. and it wasn't even like, that she was masculine and she wore, cause she wore, like she didn't like wear regularly a collar and tie and stuff, but like the fact that she didn't regularly wear that stuff is very much like sending a message in the song too, I mm -hmm. think. And get this, an ad for the song featured Rainy herself in a three-piece suit with like, a, it was like a three-piece suit with a skirt, mm -hmm. hanging around a group of women while a policeman watches her suspiciously. Are you serious? Yeah, it's like a cartoon ad and there's like this brooding policeman in the corner watching her. She like mingles with these women and the words at the bottom are like, and what's that policeman watching her for as Ma Rainey does this and it's like it's an ad for the record. Wow. I know. Wow. I know. That's so awesome. Like she's she's like a Chad. 
<laughs> Sunk. Yeah, like actually. And the fact that that was like used to sell the record, that means there was an audience for that. And like they got away with, like there had to be a whole team to put that together. We're talking straight up lesbian imagery in the 1930s. Yeah. And it was, and it worked. Cause again, Ma Rainey was famous. But yeah, that, that was pretty obviously an explicitly queer song in more ways than one. And it's probably because Ma Rainey herself was pretty explicitly queer. So this song, and I love this story, may have been inspired by a real life experience that Ma Rainey had. In 1925, she was arrested for throwing an indecent party with a group of women, which was basically code for a lesbian orgy. Oh my god. Yup. So she got arrested <laughs> for being at a party with a bunch of women. <laughs> and I am it was mostly like she hooked up with a lot of like her chorus girls. Oh my god. I know. Are you serious? Like She's, come on. Wow. I just love that story because again, 1925. And imagine with your chorus girls, like you're just like a bunch of queer women like performing together. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> and they were having a good time. I think the biggest thing is that they were having fun, right? Until obviously the Until cops, the cops raided it. showed up. But this is and again, <laughs> this just keeps getting better. She was bailed out of jail the next day by none other than Bessie Smith, the soon-to-be legendary blues singer that we mentioned earlier. Uh -huh. So some drama here. We don't know for sure what the nature of their relationship was, but there certainly is some speculation as always. So Rainey at first acted like a sort of mentor to the younger Smith, teaching her about life on the road, you know, navigating show business, the fundamentals of the blues. And though their vocal styles were different, Rainey's influence on Smith was really clear. And Bessie Smith would actually go on to surpass Rainey in terms of record sales and be crowned as the Empress of the Blues. Oh my goodness. Which, really trying to one-up the blues, <laughs> yeah. come on now. Think of but basically put together, both Rainey and Smith made up the defining sound of blues in that generation. Mother, Empress. I don't know which one's better. They both have very different Meanings. They're different vibes. It's like Ma Rainey is like the drag mother of Empress, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> You're so profound. But yeah, um, so the two were allegedly very close um, If the bailing out of jail situation doesn't make that clear enough already and some unconfirmed sources say that Rainey was actually the one who <laughs> Introduced Smith to lesbian relationships. Shut up. Indoctrinated her. Into she said the... I turned her gay. <laughs> I turned her gay. <laughs> um, it is also worth noting I think this kind of helps our point a bit that Bessie Smith was pretty open the queer later in her life as well yeah. and had numerous affairs with dancers in her own shows which i think is hilarious because it shows us that there might be a culture of like powerhouse female black blues singers yeah like hooking up with their chorus girls as they should and that's like a thing that happens which i am so obsessed with and would want to make a movie about <laughs> but anyway bessie idea. smith was pretty openly queer and the most notable uh, relationship she had was with lillian simpson and we actually might have to do an episode on bessie smith because her affairs and like her husband husband's reaction to them make for some very dramatic storytelling yeah. and we'll we'll save that one for another time. I also want to touch upon this like Bessie Smith bailing Ma Rainey out of jail after her lesbian order. <laughs> like what was that conversation? She's because... like come on Ma again. <laughs> <laughs> Like, how many times am I gonna have to do this? <laughs> because, like, that was her once, too. And I, like, clearly they were very close, and I don't think that it was, like, um, you know, each other's, like, lifelong loves or anything. Well, who knows? But I just love the idea of her bailing out and being like, I wasn't there. <laughs> like, you didn't invite me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Or just like bailing out, like, they're laughing their asses yeah. off about it. But again, not to make light of what happened because it must that have was been a very somber moment. Somber and dangerous as well for yeah. a, like, the police would not have made that a safe experience from her. But 
luckily everything worked out okay and they made for a pretty great story and clearly made for a pretty great song because Prove It On Me Blues was highly successful. So overall, um, and I think this makes for a pretty interesting kind of tidbit about the time, um, it seems that lesbian and bisexuality among black female blues musicians was somewhat of an open secret. If you could even call hmm. it a secret, you know, considering the amount of blues music that sort of explores this topic, and there is quite a bit, um, the Harlem Blues Clubs and overall scene was obviously one of personal freedom, which made the exploration of sexuality in music and otherwise, otherwise being lesbian orgy parties, um, <laughs> possible during that time period. Yeah. It's just, like, their music was a form of rebellion, and I just think it's fantastic. It's so important and interesting, and yeah. Ma Rainey was a big part of that. I think that's such a great piece of pop culture history to know, because blues is, like, the heart of so much music now. Mm -hmm. Like, rock and roll comes from blues, mm -hmm. and there's so much... I guess, like, we already know there's, like, queerness in, like, the rock and roll community, but, I don't know, just hearing, like, the roots of it, that it goes back that far, I don't know, it's really cool. Yeah, and we talk <laughs> about this every episode, because this is what our podcast is about, but it's, like, knowing that we were here, and knowing that we were making music, yeah. especially because these days a lot of queer musicians who are openly queer are white and I think there's like a lot there about the history. I mean we all know that white people stole music. Um, yeah so Ma Rainey's recording career ended in 1933 due to a number of factors including the Great Depression, uh, new mediums, radio was becoming really popular, and a shift in popular genres. So she retired from music completely around two years later and returned to Georgia where she owned and operated two theaters. So businesswoman, I just want to say, oh my goodness. she also had a mind wow. for business, Yeah, which you can just be like the mother of the blues. You don't also have to be a businesswoman. You know, take this but all she, on, also, really. she did both. Um, well done. Uh, yeah, so she died of heart disease in 1939 at the age of 53, oh, leaving man. behind a changed genre, numerous inspired artists, and nearly 100 recordings of her unforgettable voice. So we'd probably need an entire podcast series if we really wanted to get into the length of Ma Rainey's legacy and impact, and luckily she's relatively well known. You might have heard about her recently from Netflix's Oscar winning film Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, starring Viola Davis and the late Chadwick Boseman, or from Sterling A. Brown's famous poem about her. So while recognizing her great, overarching impact, we wanted to use this time to talk a little bit about her influence in terms of her queerness and her own experience. So a lot of people we talk about on our show had to, for obvious reasons, live in secret, often so secretly that accounts of their actual queerness are disputed. As people studying queer history, Mary and I operate within that gray area, between certainty and speculation and erasure, and we study people who had to hide away their whole being a lot of the time. Uh, but in a lot of ways, Ma Rainey was almost larger than life, and larger than those rules. She was part of one of the most persecuted groups in the US. So it's remarkable that Ma Rainey was able to live as an explicitly queer person because it meant that she was living how she pleased, which is not at all an easy thing to do. We owe some of that to the music scene at the time, but mostly it's a testament to her individuality and her power. She sang about loving women because she wanted to, and because she knew that everybody would eat it up. And they did. And they did! <laughs> yeah, she took what was given to her as a black woman in the American South in the early 1900s, and she changed the entire musical landscape. There's a quote from her that really nicely encapsulates her view on her work. Quote, You don't sing to feel better. You sing because that's a way of understanding life, unquote. Isn't that great? Yeah. So Ma Rainey lives on through her music, and we are lucky enough that we can still listen to her breathtaking voice. She is timeless. There's a quote about Ma Rainey in a poem by the iconic Harlem Renaissance poet Langston Hughes. 
I think this quote is perfect to wrap up with because it captures a lot of the things that we've been feeling. So this is from the poem, Shadow of the Blues. To tell the truth, if I stop and listen, I can still hear her. And now, of course, what you've all been waiting for. To keep up with this week's topic, I've prepared some queer music-themed trivia for Mary. Oh my goodness. So for this, <laughs> for this game, I'm going to give you the title of a queer song. Oh and God. you have to tell me if that song actually exists or if I just made it up. No, I'm going to do so bad at this. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm so excited. All right, I'm so when I excited. say queer, I'm talking like these songs are explicitly queer, yeah. like no subtext or anything. Okay, wait, how do you think I'm gonna do? I think you're gonna do fine. I think I made it pretty obvious. Yeah? Yeah. If I don't know, if there's like an obvious Claro song that I get wrong, I'm gonna <laughs> no, be no, so no. Upset. These aren't songs that you'd really recognize, okay. I think. Okay, cool. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I'm laughing at my own like <laughs> trivia. Okay, first one. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just, I need to listen to some of these songs. <laughs> Number one. Lubed up heart. <laughs> Shut up, Lurita. That, yeah, I think it's real. It's fake. No. I thought about it while I was brushing my teeth last night. Interesting. Number two, ain't we brothers? I like really don't want this to be real. Like for some reason it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> is it real? It is real, but different meaning. I made it sound suspicious. It's called Ain't We Brothers by Sam Gleaves and it's a country artist and it's more about like aren't we all the same person like here's a lyrical excerpt. Okay. First things first I'm a blue collar man with scars on my knuckles dust on my hands you probably wouldn't have ever known that I've got a man waiting on me at home. So it's like oh. aren't we the same like why how can you judge me like it's a really good thing I just thought the title's a bit misleading so I wanted to. Yeah, yeah. Okay number two or number three well I don't even know what number we're on. Ride Me Cowboy. I think you made it up. No, it's a real oh song. I'm not it's a well. country song. I was on an article that was like, gay-ass country songs. Like, that is a gay-ass country song. Um, it's by a man named Paisley Fields, and here's a lyrical excerpt for you. Then come inside, and I'll give you a ride. At the end of your honky-tonk day. Which <laughs> <laughs> gets better. Ride me, cowboy, till the cows are come home. Oh my god. <laughs> Isn't it fantastic? Yeah, till the cows come home is actually one of my favorite um, idioms. Love it. But yeah, anyway, right? I feel like if there's a music video, there are definitely assless chaps <laughs> in this song. You're so right. <laughs> Next one. I'm coming out. Yeah, that's a real song. It is a real song. It's by I'm Diana Ross. Know. Oh, you know it! Yes, of course, bro. It's an anthem. Lyrical excerpt. Oh, okay, I don't even need a lyrical excerpt because <laughs> you have it down, but here's my favorite one. The time has come for me to break out of the shell. I have to shout that I'm coming out. Thank you, Diana Ross. Great Excellent song. song. I feel like you might know this one. You might know the answer here. Come to my back door. <laughs> I wish you guys could see the look on Mary's face right now. I'm gonna say you made it up. I did make it up uh, yeah. because it was inspired by Melissa Etheridge's Come to My Window. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it good. is actually um, fake. <clears throat> Electric. It's a word that rhymes with rock that starts with a C. Okay, it's def- this is real. This has to be real. Too. Nah, I made it up. Um. <laughs> I made up a song called Electric you should write that song. <laughs> I'm gonna, yeah, you know what? Maybe we'll premiere it on the next. Today's, uh, this week's gay art that we're featuring is Eileen's new song, Electric. Electric. <laughs> All right, next one. Cowboys are frequently, secretly fond of each other. That, okay. 
There's no way you made that up because what song is called that? So I'm gonna say it's real. It is. It's <laughs> real. What? And it um, was by a man named Ned Sublet, and it was popularized by Willie Nelson, who re-recorded it or covered it around the time that Brokeback Mountain came out. And it's like kind of a mm. satirical, funny take on cowboys being gay. So I'm gonna, and it's a little problematic, which we'll get into. But I'm gonna read the excerpt. Cowboys are secretly fond of each other. Say, what do you think all them saddles and boots was about? Uh, and there's many a cowboy who don't understand the way that he feels for his brother. And inside every cowboy, there's a lady that would love to slip out. Oh, interesting. So it's definitely not the most like modern. It had me into the end. Yeah, like the whole the whole song is like there's a, a lady in you that wants to like love a man, which obviously oh. is like really messed up and yeah. not at all correct. But yeah, and it, it is called cowboys are Se- frequently secretly fond of each other. That is such um, a bad title. Like I'm sorry. I know. Um, I just. I have a little anecdote that I now I absolutely have okay, to share with you do. that I haven't told you yet. Oh my god. Because you mentioned Brokeback Mountain. Oh god. So I was at like a family friend's uh, dinner party recently. Okay. We were talking about this one year um, where like what the Oscar best picture nominations were and one of them it didn't win but one of them happened to be Brokeback Mountain and my friend's dad was like listing which ones he had seen and whether or not they were better than the winner and he was like I haven't seen I haven't seen Brokeback Mountain I haven't seen it guys you know don't get the wrong idea I haven't seen oh Brokeback Mountain oh my god and he went on he said it like 10 times in a row and we were all like oh my god <laughs> like are you gay <laughs> and it was just so funny because there were um, six kids there and then two parents and all of the kids were gay. And, and it was <laughs> just the parents. Guys, I haven't even, I haven't seen the, Jake Gyllenhaal and Heath Ledger um, get sex. On. I would only watch Brokeback Mountain if it was about a man and a woman. <laughs> anyway, next one. <clears throat> Flannel backed girl. Shut up. Okay. It literally sounds like it could be a girl in red song. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say that you made it up. I did make it up. <laughs> it was someone, I'm sorry. It's I was like, that one, I was like, song. I knew that you. Right. Yeah. Um, sister lover. Again, like maybe if it's real, it's just like sounds weird. I'm gonna say it's fake. Oh yeah, you're right. I made it up. (laughs) Too similar to the brother one. It's too yes. You get my you got my my like method down. Mm -hmm. Alright, and this is the last one. Symphony number six. Pathetique. It's real. It is real, and it was written by Tchaikovsky, cool. and um, who, I mean, we already did a Chopin episode, but Tchaikovsky was, like, actually super gay. Wait, um, I didn't and know he, that at all. I know, me either, until this. And he allegedly, um, it was it was dedicated, well, not even allegedly, it was dedicated to his gay lover, who was also his nephew, but we're not going to get oh, into that. Oh my god. Uh, but yeah, I just thought that was, like, a funny one to add, because that's technically a gay song. Yeah, wait, that's really cool, I'm going to have to listen to it Yeah. Now. What is it with all these composers, I know. Bro? Well, that concludes trivia. You actually did a really good job. <laughs> that was so Did you enjoy fun. that? that so I have been like I've been waiting to do trivia with you for oh, so so I long. Know. It's been months. It's been a four or five month dry spell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. Well done, Eileen. Thank no, you. No, thank you. All right, so that's it for this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed learning about Ma Rainey's incredible life as much as we did. Thank you so much for listening, and of course, we are so happy to be back. Feel free to message us if there are any stories or topics you think we should cover next, or if you're a queer student at TMU or anywhere we will take any queer students, please hit us up who wants to feature their work on one of our episodes. And of course, follow us at Ghosts in the Closet Podcast on Instagram. As always, I'm Eileen. And I'm Mary. And we'll see you next time to uncover more Ghosts in the Closet. We're back! We're back!